0: up with me to Matthew chapter 2. I'm Joe Wyrostek, your friendly neighborhood pastor. I'll be preaching today out of the gospel of Matthew. In our church, we're going through a sermon series on the whole gospel of Matthew chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So we started last week. We did chapter 1. Guess what chapter we're doing today? Chapter 2. You guys are smart. Let's go there now. Chapter 2. Today we're going to learn about how the magi, the wise men, came and bowed down before Jesus. We're going to learn today about a bowed down life. So if you want a hashtag right now, it is all about Jesus. Let them know you're in church or a bowed down life. You can do that at any time. These notes are online at our website and our app, Metro Praise International. Download it now. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2 as we prepare to do some baptisms today, and it started here in the book of Matthew. If Jesus never would have come, this would mean nothing. This would just be a bath today. But because Jesus came, saved us from our sins, was dead, uh, was crucified, buried, and rose again. This means something today. The baptism tank actually symbolizes coming in dry as a sinner, then coming in there, making a testimony, symbolizes you like being like Jesus on the cross, identifying with his death. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. So we identify with him, say our testimony, then we are buried like him, and then we are raised up soaking wet in a new life like him. And that shows us In summary what's actually going to happen one day We're going to rise up from our graves There's going to be a resurrection of uh, of all people And those who have been living for Jesus Are going to get a resurrected body And be with Jesus forever on the new earth And those who don't uh, serve Jesus Are going to get a resurrected body to suffer forever in hell So here's the deal You're going to live twice or you're going to die twice It's up to you which one you want Because everybody gets to live once and die once, but it's up to you whether or not you die twice or you live twice. That's why Jesus said, get born again, and then you get to live again. Amen? But if you're not born again, when you die this time, this ain't hell on earth. Listen to me, people. This is not hell on earth. If you don't like it here, it's a lot worse where you're going if you don't have Jesus. Because then you're going to have a second death in the lake of fire. That's the Bible. Amen? Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Who are these magi? We don't know much about them. This is what we do know. They came from the east, and they were really smart. Magi could mean magician somebody who looked at omens, but it could also just mean a very smart person. That's why we can call them wise men as well as magi. When we look to the Bible, we understand the East and magi because guess what? When Daniel was taken from Judea, brought into Babylon to be a captive, what did he and his three friends become? Magi, wise men. He runned with those guys, and when they didn't uh, stop praying, and, uh, you know, they told Daniel, stop praying to your God. They threw him in a lion's den, and then they told Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, you got to bow down to our idol. And, and he didn't, they didn't do that. They threw him into a fiery furnace. And so they out, were outstanding among those wise men because they served God. Now, just think about this real quick. Our people, Israel, were taken into Babylon to be the greatest of all wise men. Now, wise men probably coming from Babylon come to worship our Jesus. Do you see the correlation there? We went to the east as captives. Now they coming from the east to worship our Jesus. That's the significance of why they're coming. Now, a lot of times people have a time frame of how they came around the same time of the birth of Jesus with the shepherds. That's not true. So, if you see a manger set up where you got shepherds and you got Magi all all, all hanging out together in a a manger, that's not correct. Magi came about a year later, as you're going to find out right now, okay? Let me correct a few things I said wrong last week. As a pastor, it's always good to do that because I can be wrong. I said Matthew was the most extensive gospel, it's actually Luke. The reason why I confuse that is because Matthew has more chapters but Luke's chapters, though they are shorter, uh, though he has less chapters, the chapters are longer, so there's more words in the book of Luke. The reason why I say that, if you put Matthew and Luke together, it becomes a surround sound. You can learn all about this. So it says here that they came from the east. I got a link. You can look more up about them, and they came because they saw a star. Now, this star has become a mystery for us as well. Some people throughout church history have tried to say that during this time, uh, there was a supernova, an explosion, and then they could see a they hadn't been able to see before, because, you know, there's hundreds of millions of stars that you can see, so that was something significant. Others said that possibly a comet was passing by, and so this movement en- enabled it to be at a certain location for them, and I don't agree with any of that, because if you put it in the natural, it doesn't really fit. I don't have time to do that. You can look at that link star and kind of get the understanding why none of those things really fit, a supernova, a comet, or uh, one suggestion in the natural is that two planets align and then became uh, brighter than they normally were to become like a star. Here's what I think. I think God lit up the sky supernaturally. If God can split the Red Sea, he can put a little light bulb up there for him, okay? So we believe in a supernatural God. I actually believe this was supernatural. So you can have your two choices. It's natural and it's a comet or planets lining up or a supernova, or you could put it in the supernatural category. No one's going to get angry at you here for choosing one or the other. I'm just saying I put it in the supernatural. So they, they're they studying the stars. They see a star, and then they begin to see as it rises, and they begin to want to follow it. That's why it's just... A comment doesn't make sense, so it it seems like God is doing this supernaturally. Now, I want you to understand in Matthew chapter one. Matthew writing after all of this has happened, right? So think about this. Jesus has already been crucified, buried, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven. They've been out preaching for about 20 years, and now he starts writing the gospel. So so he's he's looking back on all of this, and he's writing to a particular people, the Jewish people. And what he wants to show them, starting in chapter 1, is that Jesus was the Messiah, and he wasn't blaspheming because that was the charge they gave Jesus to kill him because you couldn't kill as a Jewish person, another Jewish person, under Roman law, because they were occupied by the Romans, unless they did something very severe against your religion. And the most severe thing was blasphemy. So blasphemy and blaspheming God was what they accused Jesus of doing. Matthew starts off going, no, 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 he's not not a blasphemer. He's rose from the dead. He is who he said he is. And then he starts right here by telling them this story. Because if you remember, the Jews always accused Jesus of just being from Nazareth. And we're going to find out how they end up in Nazareth. But he was actually born in Bethlehem. That was part of the prophecy, so they missed it. And another thing that Matthew is going to show is he's been being worshipped since he's a boy. He wasn't a man becoming God. He was God becoming man. He existed long before he came into the flesh. Did you exist before you put on these clothes this morning? Did the clothes make you exist? No, you existed before that cloth was put on your body this morning, amen, and you look nice. Jesus existed before he put on flesh. The flesh of Jesus was just his earth suit. He has been from all eternity. You're going to learn that in just a moment. And so what's amazing about this is just in the first few verses of this chapter, we see that he's born in Bethlehem. Wise men came from the east to begin to worship him because they saw a supernatural star. Now, I want you to go to Matthew 14, verse 33, to know what that word worship means there. In the Greek, it's proskenehu. And a lot of people think maybe it was just like honor, like they were just going to come and honor their king or something, you know, like take off their hat. Matthew is building a point. As you get through the book of Matthew, this kind of worship that Jesus is receiving is not just like an honor towards a king because that Greek word can be used that way, the New Testament written in Greek. This is the worship you only give God. Let me fast forward to Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 33. When Jesus was on the boat and he did a miracle, watch what happens. Then those who were in the boat did what? Worshiped him saying, truly you are what? Son of God, Muslims' worldview just got blown up. They want to say Jesus is just a prophet. Matthew, five 600 years before a man named Muhammad ever got a demonic vision in a cave, is telling you this is who he was. He was the son of God, and he was receiving worship. So this blows up every, every Hindu belief or Buddhist belief that wants Jesus to be like a Buddha or Jesus to be like a Krishna. He is the unique, only begotten son of God. Nobody else is like him. Because according, because according to our Bible, if you worship anybody other than God, you are an idolater. The first commandment says, love the Lord thy God and have no other gods beside him. Are you listening? So for these Jewish boys to be worshiping a man that's among them, he better be some special kind of man. He's the son of God. Go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, remember a wise man named Daniel who was taken from Judah, uh, you know, the people of Israel, Jerusalem, and brought into Babylon? He's a wise man. Everybody say he's a wise man. He's not a wise guy. He's not a wise guy. He's a wise man, right? Look what he prophesied about the Son of Man. Go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 2. In the vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven. Keep going, churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus, and now we're 2,000 years after Jesus, and we're still waiting for this. This is end time stuff. Book of Revelation quotes more more from Daniel than any other book in the Bible. So this is still waiting to happen, talking about kingdoms. The first was a lion. It had wings as an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted up from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. So these beasts have these powers. These are representing nations. And there before me was a second beast which looked like a bear. It raised up on its side and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat eat your fill of the flesh. This is talking about the end times and what the Antichrist is going to do. This is some scary stuff. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on his back, it had four wings of those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and he was given authority to rule. Kind of sounds crazy, right? A beast with four wings, all these different heads. This is all talking about the Antichrist, and these wicked governments are going to do these heads represent powers. Now watch this right here. After that, in my vision at night, I look, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying, a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. Somebody say very powerful. So we're in this day now where we're seeing government leaders rise up and be very powerful like these beasts. One day they'll unify together and persecute Christians and establish a one-world government for the Antichrist. But watch. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victim and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. Those are the ten world powers coming together. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and the three of the first horns were uprooted by it. So this one replaces three. Let's keep going. It's getting to a point. I just want you to see the end times. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being in the mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place. Somebody say thrones. Does it say just one throne? No, it's plural thrones. And the ancient of days took his seat. Who is the Ancient of Days? Who's the boss? That's God the Father. Now keep watching. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was as white like wool. This is where we get the idea of an old man, you know, white hair and all of that. But he's not uh, the, the, the picture that you would picture. The white hair and all of this is symbolizing his great power and of his ancient times, the, the existence he's always had. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing before him, coming out before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. So this is angels in creation of men. The court was open, the books were open, keep going. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words of the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain. What happened to that beast? It was slain, its body destroyed and thrown into the what? Blazing fire. That's the end time judgment, the fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but they were allowed to live for a certain time. Now, watch this in my vision. Somebody say in Daniel's vision. This is the original wise man right here. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man. How many thrones were there? There were two thrones, one for the Father, now for the Son. He came with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, was led into his presence. Keep going. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language did what? Worshiped him. His dominion is in everlasting. Lasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Woo! Come on, somebody. I hope you just got that. Go back to Matthew chapter 2. These wise men worshiping the Jesus that came in the first coming will all be worshiping him in his second coming. He is going to destroy every world power, every beast, every world leader, every of those types and shadows that were there that set itself up against the Father. He is going to rule and reign over them. So right now you are in between his first and second coming. So we are not to look at these wise men and go, oh, that was just cool. They worship Jesus. You better bow down and worship Jesus too. And you might say, well, what star am I supposed to follow? The Bible says we are Christians, the light of the world. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, follow me as I follow Jesus. You see, they saw a star and they started following Jesus. And see, this is the idea is we need to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, a city on the hill. We need to be the ones that people see Jesus in. And we're not Jesus. Come on, the star wasn't Jesus, but we lead people to Jesus. Amen. Let's keep going. When King Herod heard this, so here that man, the, 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 the Magi, coming to worship Jesus. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Why? Because he's a king. And what's going to happen to his kingdom? It's going to get destroyed. But here's the deal. The Bible says in Psalm 2, all you kings, you can be spared. All you got to do is make him the king of kings. But he got jealous of Jesus. Somebody say, don't be jelly. Isn't that beautiful? He's a ruler and a shepherd. That almost seems like it's a contradiction. It's like being a president and being a servant, a, house, a housekeeper, right? But in the kingdom of God, what is, what is down is actually up. When you become last in the kingdom of God, you actually become first. And what it's showing is here, he's going to come as a servant, but he's going to rule as a king. He's going to come as a shepherd. He's going to be right there with you. He's not going to you know, ever forsake you, but he's going to be the king of kings and lord of lords. Now go to Micah chapter 5. When you hear prophecies quoted in the New Testament, have the common sense to go back to the Old Testament when you're studying and recognize those prophets. So let's go where Matthew got that prophecy from. Where did Matthew get this idea? Micah chapter 5. How many have ever uh, read the book of Micah? Be honest. Don't lie. Raise your hand if you have. Okay, a few of you. God bless you. Keep reading your Bible, people. It's important, right? Look at Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. That's what he quoted, isn't it? Let's read the rest of it because you can see what Matthew is doing is kind of leading these boys on. He's saying, I'm going to give you a little, a little bit of this prophecy, but what I want you boys to do is go back and read it all, and you'll get to see even more. Let's read it all. Whose origins are from of old from ancient times. So the one being born in a manger is not starting to exist in a manger. He has existed from all times. He is from ancient times. And from ancient times and of old, being the first, he is also the last, the Bible says. He is the Alpha and the Omega. So, could you just imagine this? Put yourself in the audience of, of Matthew and the readers that are, are reading this for the first time. Maybe you're a Jew. You were part of those who were shouting, Crucify him. You now learn that there's a new sect, a new religion called Christians, Christians, Christ and, and you start to hear that they're believing that this person named Jesus was more than a prophet. He was the Messiah, and he rose from the dead. But you can't figure it out. And you got Matthew dropping prophecy on you. And he says, hey, do you remember when Micah said our Messiah would be a king and a shepherd and a ruler over us? Do you remember that? Well, it also said he was from ancient times. And that's why when Jesus walked the earth, and they were getting all upset with him, these Jews, and they were saying, you're not doing what Abraham said. You're not really living like Abraham. He said, boys, before Abraham was, I am. That word I am was the word for God. Yohevahe, I am self-existing. Before you even existed, I existed. He's telling them my origins are from old, from ancient times. Before the world ever began, there was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. That's John chapter 1. Let's go back to Matthew. Now that we understand that his origins are from of old and how important he is, we can now appreciate what the magi are doing, these wise men. Verse 7, then Herod called the magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Once again, why I believe it was supernatural. I think they were smart enough to know what a supernova would have been. They would probably see stars exploding. They had probably seen comets before. They had probably seen planets line up. This was something very unique to them to cause them to leave everything they knew and love in their hometown and country to come all the way over into Jerusalem. So it appeared, and he said, let me find out when this happened, King Herod, because he's going to do something crazy here. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Somebody say liar, liar, pants on fire. Y'all know the story. You you know the story, right? He's lying. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Not baby, where the child was. Y'all get that? Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. Is it a stable, a manger? No, it's a house. It's a different location. It's been about a year now, okay? That's why he's a child. He's not a baby. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. One more time, what did they do? They bowed down and worshiped him. Is there anybody here that wants to worship Jesus? Is there anybody here as wise as a wise man? will follow the testimonies and the written word as a light and bow down and worship Jesus. They opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the most valuable things they could have at that time. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Praise God for that deliverance. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. So there, uh, stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Hit on the word Egypt for me, please. I got to talk about immigration. Is that okay if I do that as the gringo? I'm going to do it anyways. Um. There's a lot of people that use the Bible to try to promote illegal immigration. Now, I want you to understand, my family came here about three generations ago from Poland and Italy. My parents were the first ones to mix the blood, okay? It was all Italian on my mom's side, all Polish on my dad's side. My wife, who I've married, her parents came from Greece. My best friends have come from countries all over the world. They are sitting among you right now. I'm not here to argue the specifics about politics, but I do want you to know this. If you use the Bible to prove illegal immigration, you're a spiritual nincompoop. Stop doing that. If you then get upset that I say that and you say, well, this country took the land from other people. Well, if you want to start giving back land, let's go find the Aztecs. Let's go find the Incas. Let's go find the Mayans because they weren't your friends either. World empires have been conquering each other since time began, since Cain killed Abel. So if you want America give back the land to Mexico, then Mexico give it back from the Incans and the Mayans and start drawing their borders a lot bigger because their borders are their borders because they fought and killed. And Indians and Native Americans had their borders because they fought and killed. And Africa fought and killed each other long before the white men ever got there. Egypt enslaved the African continent for over a 1,000 years. Muslims are still enslaving the African continent, yet black people go to the east. My brother to the east. You better watch where you're going to the east. You to go to Do- you're going to go to Dophar. You're going to go to Ethiopia? They got you in chains right now. So every culture, Chinese dynasties, Chinese dynasties, are guilty of taking each other's lands. I just think about it like this because I'm telling you, I wasn't here when the conquistadors come. I just think the ones who got their butts kicked got their butts hurt a little bit because the Incas were kicking butt and they just got their butt kicked. Now they want to complain a thousand years later through their ancestors. They I want my land back. Well, how did you get the Machu Picchu, sir? You sacrificed thousands of villages there. So let's just get off this holier-than-thou attitude when it comes to immigration. Let's go to the scripture as Christians and see whose land it belongs to. All of this belongs to God. And then the Bible says he raises up governments to bring forth peace on the earth. So here's my deal. If you want to come from Central America as a refugee, stop at Mexico. The president said he'll take them. Why do you then want to come all the way to America, break the law, and then say, I'm going to compare this to Jesus going to Egypt? Let me help you understand what Jesus did. Cue to all the non-critical thinkers saying that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were refugees fleeing from the Roman province of Judea to the Roman providence of Egyptus. Did you understand that? Egypt belonged to Rome. It was the same country, people after going out of their way to follow the Roman law, be documented as lawful subjects in a Roman census. Why do you think they ever left Nazareth to go to Bethlehem? They were paying their taxes. Oh, y'all get quiet now. I don't care, honestly, because I'm going to teach you the truth. You want to come to a country, abide by their laws. Why don't the Central and South Americans stop in Mexico? The president said he'll take every single one of them. You know why? Because Mexico sucks as a government. They are a socialist government. They allow the drug dealers to rule and reign, and then you want to cross into this border illegally and then rave your flag and say, I am owed this. You are not owed that, sir. If you don't want that baby to get hurt at the border, then don't you storm that border with your baby in your hands. Come the right way. And then you want to throw back on me, well, how did you come? They came on a boat. If you could come on a boat now, come on a boat. Do it the right way. Well, they took the land from the Indians. Where did the Indians, the Cherokee, take it from the Apache? You think they were just smoking peace pipes here? I'm tired of it because it's dividing the church. Wake up, Christians. Wake up. I don't care if you vote Republican or whatever, but listen to me. Stop acting like the Bible is your permission to break the law. Because here's the next thing, and I'll just skip ahead. Herod wanted to kill the children, and the Democratic Party is killing children upwards to the point of birth. And y'all voting for them knucklehead sinners so you can get a green card. God, have mercy on your soul. God, have mercy on your soul. You're allowing children to be murdered because they bribed you with the green card. They don't care about you either. Stop being their little their little uh, things. They can pimp around. Stand up for yourself. Believe in your country. If you didn't, if you listen to me, if you don't like our laws, stay in your country and fight like we did to get this country out from under the regimes of wicked people. Go fight those drug dealers. All y'all men right here, go buy some N-16s, join the military and go help them. Read about machine gun preacher helping the Ugandans, I believe, get free. That's why those countries suck, because they're corrupt. So everybody wants to come here waving their flag. Leave your flag at the door. My parents left their their great-grandparents, my great-grandparents, their grandparents, left their Italian flag at the door, learned the language, became a productive part of the society. That's it. And if you say, well, hey, man, the border didn't cross me. Man, uh, I didn't cross the border. The border crossed me. Don't get butt hurt because you got your butt hurt. You got your butt whooped. So what? People get butt whooped all the time. You understand what I'm saying? I knew this would be hard, but I still had to preach it. It's chapter 2, whether you were here or not. I got to preach it. So what's illegal immigration? It's just people breaking the laws of a nation. These People, Joseph, Jerry, uh, Jerry, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were not breaking laws. Does everybody get that? If you love this country, everybody look up at me. If you love the country, obey its laws. If you don't want to obey its laws, you came here because your parents came in illegally, and now you're a child like a dreamer. The Mexican president said he'll take all the dreamers. Do you know why dreamers don't want to go back to Mexico? Because Mexico sucks. Let's stop pretending that we don't know that. We love the people, but my government, like the Italians, it sucks. More, My parents, my mother-in-law from Greece, they'll tell you, they'll come right up here. Oh, Greece, it's a great place for food, but the government sucks. Do you understand? I mean, come on, I like my pizza. You think I want to go to Poland? Poland's government sucks. They came out in World War II, God bless them, on horses. If Americans wouldn't have gone over there and kicked every one of those Nazis and and Japanese butts, we would all be wearing swastikas right now. So you don't have to love it. I don't love everything about America either. I'm the one preaching against it in every possible way that I can. But I'm not going to do it with people who say I have permission to break the law and then go to the Bible and do this because the same libtards that do this with immigration are the same ones like Jack Black who go on Saturday Night Live and go, oh, you're against homosexuality, but the Bible says not to eat uh, shrimp. So you guys are hypocrites. All they're doing is trying to use the Bible against you, you spiritual nincompoop. They're trying to use it against you. When, when they come up and say, oh, you're Christians. Well, did you, you're, you're, you're against illegal immigration. Don't you think we should have open borders? That's what Jesus and Mary did. They ran to Egypt. You see how easy it was for them. And then they want to say, oh, you're against homosexuality. Well, did you know your Bible also said you can't eat pork and you can't eat shrimp? And you don't think. And you share these things on YouTube. You share these videos on Facebook. And you don't understand. They hate your worldview. They are using you. You came from Latin America with a mom and a dad and believing in genders being male and female and a family was supposed to stick together. They're using you to push their LGBTQ agenda. They're using you to abort children just so they can get your vote for a little bit. This is the truth of history. All nations have conquered each other I'm sorry America kicked your butt. I wasn't here. I don't take credit for it. I'm sorry they did. I'm sorry China took over half the east over there. I'm sorry Mexico took over almost half that part of the continent. But it is what it is now, and there are governments now, and there are laws now. If you want to do it, do it right. And if you want to fight, I'm going to say this one more time. Listen to me. You want to fight. Don't pick up your flag and go downtown Chicago and act like you're something. Go get a machete and go down there and whack off the cartels in Mexico. Go out there into Central and South America and go kill those jokers. Because those are your problems. Because I don't know about you, but I've been to Chilapa, Mexico, in the state of Nayarit. Beautiful. 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 There's no reason why these countries are not prosperous. My, my, my brother-in-law, he went to Salvador. Another one went to Guatemala. You look at the pictures. They're beautiful. They have every opportunity to have a beautiful country. What has ruined it? The government. The government. So don't come here and ruin it. The government. Don't come here and ruin what people have worked hard to do. Okay? We love you here. We're not calling La Migra on you, by the way. We have a lot of illegals here that we're helping and praying for. One of my best friends came here illegal, okay? We love to help the illegal. We're not getting involved in your business. But what I want to do is tell you is I will not let this become something that divides this church. If you want to go to some backslidden pastor that doesn't understand these scriptures because you feel better about yourself, then go ahead and follow him. But right here, we're looking at the scriptures, and it says very clearly, Jesus was born to a family that went in their country to pay their taxes. When they were oppressed, they went to another part of their country to flee, and that's how they did it. They were not refugees fleeing from another country illegally. Okay, does everybody understand that? And let me just give you two more things from the Bible, two more things. Well, what about, what about Israel? Israel said take care of the sojourners. If you wanted to come with Israel, you all want to use the Bible, let's get all those libtards right here and use the Bible with them. You wanted to roll with Israel, men pull out your peckers. First thing happens, you get circumcised. That will show you if you're serious, you could not live in Israel unless you got circumcised. Number two, throw away all your idols or we will stone you right now. And they killed them quite often in Israel because they went back to their idols. Talk about uh, just letting them all in. No, no, it was done a certain way. And then after the captivity, when they came back from Babylon, some of their wives that they had taken from Babylon in Persia came with them, and he said, divorce every single one of them. Get rid of all of the children you had with them because they don't belong to me unless they become Jews. Oh, they don't want to read that. They just want to read the Bible. It's like, oh, you know, bring in the sojourner. Bring, You know, have justice. Do all of these things. Okay, well, get your pecker cut, follow the laws of God, And don't you mess up in our land or we'll kill you. And if your family don't want it and they came from another country and they don't want to serve the God of Israel, cut your wife and your kids free and send them back right now. Look it up. It's all in the Bible. So this Bible ain't meant for us to use it like it's some um, children's book that we can now interpret it. Well, what do you think cat in a hat means? Well, I think he was having an existential moment to think that the hat was really the special thing inside. Well, what does Moby Dick mean to you? Oh, Moby Dick, he's chasing his purpose in life. It's not about a big fish. Well, what does it mean that they had to get circumcised, obey the laws of the land, or die? Oh, I just think that means they had to be nice to each other. No. What it meant was they had laws. And if you wanted to run with Israel, you obeyed those laws. And I just want to say this to everybody. here: I would have preached this if you wouldn't have been here today. It's just chapter 2. Let's keep reading. I love you. God bless you. I'm not trying to show off. They'll tell you. I really am not. I didn't change anything today. These are my notes. This is what I'm doing. (sighs) Help us, Jesus, to love everybody. Amen. And help us to obey the laws of the land. I get fired up with that. Not because I just, you know, let me just say this before I go on. We can have different ideas. What's a just law? What what should be America's policy? I'm totally with you. Like, let's have that debate. Let's discuss it. But like I said, but what I will not have is spiritual nincompoops using this Bible against people who believe in legal immigration. Like, we have Latinos, and Latinos all up in here that believe in legal immigration. And now because somebody shares a video on Facebook, their Christianity is being called into account when those people are hypocrites, don't even read the whole Bible. You're not, you know, you can have a debate over immigration, how it should be, what should be the laws, what should be the laws of refugees, what should you do for people who who came here by by, by their parents. All of those are great discussions, but do not use this Bible to twist what it didn't say, because I'll meet you on that battlefield, amen? So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, left for Egypt, where he stayed until the dream of Herod. Uh, Excuse me, to the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my what? Son. So this was a prophecy that as Israel came out of Egypt once as slaves, now the son of God is going to come out of Egypt as well. That's how it happened. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders, watch this, to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. I want everybody to look up at me. You do not have to vote Republican. You don't have to vote independent. I will not tell you who to vote for here, but I will tell you who not to vote for. Do not vote for any pro-choice politician. Otherwise, you will be held accountable for the blood of children's deaths on your hands. The Democratic Party, look up, DNC platform party, has said we want abortion in all terms. In Virginia, they are fighting to be able to abort a healthy baby even at the point of the woman having contractions. They have taken away the law in New York with Como that protects children in the womb. A man just murdered his pregnant girlfriend. He is only going to be charged for one count of murder now. God have mercy on this land. Now, I'm going to tell you, when was the last time they killed children? With Moses. And then with Jesus. And now in our generation, since Roe v. Wade, we've seen over 50 million children die. You are about ready to see the coming of Jesus, my friends. Before the coming of Moses or the coming of the new covenant, uh, Egypt killed all of those children. Before the coming of the first coming of Jesus, they wanted to kill children. And what is happening in this world right now? They are killing children. Let me tell you why they are killing children. They are killing children because they do not want children to rise up, know the truth, and fight against Satan and his powers on this earth, those beasts we were reading about. The devil knows. That if he can stop this generation from multiplying and being fruitful as God commanded, then he can continue to have his homosexual sterile people outnumber the righteous people. He can continue to have the wicked people outnumber the righteous people. But we need to go back to the command of God and be fruitful and multiply. And people then bring up what about not only just being pro life in the womb, what about outside the womb? My friends, Christians are the most adopting people you will ever meet. There are four people in this church already doing Christian foster care. Christians all around the world are running orphanages. We have put our money where our mouth is, even in this church. We will adopt. We will care for. If you here have committed abortion, repent for the sin of murder and Jesus will forgive you, as he has done other women here. But if you ever get pregnant, no matter what circumstances it are, this no matter what circumstances you're in, this church commits to helping you bring that child to full term, and then we will make sure that child will be adopted. There is no excuse for the death of unborn children god have mercy on this nation amen god have mercy and everybody look up at me if you tell me i shouldn't be political what you think this Bible's meant to be on the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand if i can't put this rock down and have courage to stand up for the unborn, then what was I given the word of God for? This is the foundation of a Christian life. And you say, take it out of politics. Well, I'm glad the abolitionists didn't take it out of politics and brought the word of God into the slave trade and told them this is an abomination. I'm glad that the civil rights movement knew they could meet in churches with people like Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and could preach to the the white racist South the truth that there is one race, the human race. This is my brick. This is my foundation. If you can't lay it down and stand on it in politics, then what good is it? If you can't build your marriage, on the word of God, then you tell me what good is it? They're voting with their worldview on. When they come into the voting booths, when they come into the government, they put on their secular, perverted, godless worldview, and they see the world through their dark, evil glasses, and they make all of their decisions, and then they want to come to you and say, shame on you, you Christian. Don't you know there's supposed to be separation of church and state? We don't even know what that means. All that meant is there cannot be one church in the state like the Church of England. It didn't mean that you couldn't have church in the heart of people in the state. That's why we swear on the Bible and not some mythological book. That's why they put chaplains to pray before every time Congress met. And in God we trust on our money. You don't have to be a Christian in this land. I get it. And I know maybe some Christians have ruined Christ for you. But listen, this land was started by a majority of Christians. And it was Christians who fought a bloody civil war to end slavery here while it still exists in Africa and in sex trading all throughout the world. It was a nation that believed in the God of this Bible. Not everyone Not everyone, but a good majority of them gave this to you as an inheritance. They say you can't have this in school. This was the first book they all learned in school in the colonial times. As I've taught here before, Harvard was a Bible college. Northeastern was a Bible college started by Methodists. Princeton and Yale were Bible colleges. Don't lose your Christian foundation in this world because as in that time, They're killing, everybody get this, they're killing our children. To stop what God is doing, they're going after our children. Verse 17, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, her children refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Are you weeping for the children that have been lost in abortion clinics? <sighs> Do you know that over a 100,000 of our million children who are killed in abortion clinics a year cannot, can survive outside of the womb? Who's weeping for them? Who's broken for them? Somebody said, Joe, you're a man. You can't care about abortion. You don't understand what it's like to be a woman. I told them, I was once a baby. (laughs) I understand what it's like to be a baby. And And what I know about being a baby is that I didn't want my arms ripped out. I didn't want a needle stuck in my brain and poison shot in through my head. God, help us in this generation. May we have... The Rachel's weeping again for the children who are no more so that justice can prevail. Should we have immigration reform? All of those wonderful things, yes. We can debate on how it's going to happen, but can any Christian really debate with me on this? Can you call yourself a Christian and say you support people who believe in the senseless murder of almost a million children, innocent children a year? No, we can't. It's been done before, it's happening again, and I pray this now, even Lord, come so now, Maranatha, come quickly, Jesus. When Judgment Day comes, a lot of people like Oprah, Bill Gates are going to be saying, oh no, oh no, I'm going to be cheering, oh yes, oh yes, now is the time. Some of you wonder why the blood will be spilled on that day so high that it will be as a horse's head, as a river, 140 plus miles. You wonder why God's going to kill 200 million people in one day? It's because of what we've done to this planet and what we've done to his precious creation. May God have mercy on your soul. May God save you. May God change you. Let me just say this before I move on from abortion. I used to hate Christians, and therefore I hated abortion. Well, a woman can do whatever she wants, right? Who cares if you kill the thing? That's the way I thought. I hated it so much, uh, Christians standing against it, that when I was a young punk skateboarder, I saw all my friends from the church I grew up in uh, protesting abortion along the street of the downtown that I lived in in Fort Wayne, Indiana, going to go skateboard. You know what I did? I said, Tim, slow down the car. I pulled down my pants and I mooned them all. That's how much I didn't care. But listen to me. The moment I became a Christian, it became one of the greatest causes of my entire life. It became one of the greatest causes of my entire life. Do you know who started the pro-life movement in America? An African-American woman who was the first graduate from Harvard. This is not a white thing. This is not a black thing. This is a human race thing. We ought to do better. In Jesus' name, amen? After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to, um, appeared to Joseph in a dream in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, who was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, having been warned in a dream. He withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called what? Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he shall be called a Nazarene. So now you know why he was raised in Nazareth instead of Bethlehem. It was because they were still being persecuted and mistreated and God said to go there. Now some people may ask, when Jesus was being questioned by the Jews as as to where he was born, why didn't he just say, listen guys, I was born in Bethlehem like the prophecies say, but I've been being raised in Nazareth. Why did he... Allow them to keep calling him Jesus of Nazareth and say, you couldn't be the Messiah because you weren't born in Bethlehem. Because here's, here's the way Jesus is. He'll reveal enough of himself to those who are seeking who will always find him. And he'll, he'll hide himself to those who want an excuse to not seek him. The Bible literally says, if you seek him, you'll find him. How did the disciples know his true story? Because they sought Jesus, and they were like, I believe. I have a mustard seed of faith. I believe in you. And then Jesus, and then maybe they asked him later on, like, Jesus, you know, we really believe you're the Messiah, but the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. I'm sure he went, hey, guys, let me tell you my birth story. I was actually born in Bethlehem. You can ask my mom. Hey, Mary, come on over here. Tell them where I was born, you know. Oh, yeah, he was born over here. Oh, okay, now we know. But I can imagine Jesus saying, Shh, don't tell anybody because the Bible says he told him not to tell a lot of stuff during his lifetime because he never wanted people just following the crowd. He wanted people that were willing to go by faith. What does that look like today in the 21st century? Scientists try to disprove God. They show us evolution, that like you came from the goo through the zoo to you. And you just wish as a Christian, you just wish as a Christian, Jesus would just show up in the microscope and go, ta-da. Here I am, you silly scientist. I'm really here. And sometimes we wonder, like, God, why don't you just show yourself? Why don't you just put stars in the sky that say, I am here, and my name is Jesus? For the same reason, the same reason Jesus didn't walk around correcting the misunderstandings of the Jews of his day, going, hey, you think I'm from Nazareth, but I was just raised there. I'm really from Bethlehem. The same reason he didn't do that is the same reason today. If you're seeking for Jesus as a scientist or as a scholar or as an atheist, You'll have to be open to the evidence. But if you're not going to seek him, he will blind himself to you. The Bible literally says, as we go throughout the book of Matthew, a prophecy from Isaiah, it says, they have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. No one understands. Why is it the Jewish people crucified their very own Savior? It was to show us the hardness of our hearts. We were all there in some way. Why would Adam and Eve turn from the God who created them? They knew they hadn't grown up. They were were born, created as adults. They knew they hadn't just did that themselves. They had walked and talked with Jesus, and yet all it took was one serpent to deceive them, and now they're willing to try to be gods themselves. Doesn't that sound just like us today? We want to be know-it-alls. We don't want to submit to God and his word. We're 21st century people after all. We have a phone that's more powerful than the computers that sent a rocket to the moon. We don't need this religious stuff. I don't see God. That's what they'll say. I don't see God. Show me God, they'll say. And yet God is all around us, isn't he? He's in the creation that we've, we, we admire and that we use. He's in our soul and in our mind. The Bible literally says in Him, in God, we live and breathe and have our being. We have our being. We be because God is. Can I hear an amen? That was the introduction. Let's give it up for the Word today. Are you ready for the message? Amen. Let's go to the message. Let's go to the message. The message will not be as long as the introduction, but it is my job to take the Scriptures Make them applicable to your life. What did we learn in review? As you are seeing the picture go up, but what do we learn in review? That wise men sought Jesus because of a supernatural sign. We're to be like those wise men and follow the signs and worship Jesus. We are to also be a sign to others in the world so they'll follow us as we follow Jesus. When the Magi found Jesus, they worshiped him. During that time of great worship, great blessing upon the earth, there was also great turmoil and great wickedness. Some people wrongly take the travelings of Jesus to support illegal immigration. We have learned otherwise. Some people ignore that children in the womb matter and they support abortion just like these people supported infanticide. But nevertheless, the righteous people kept being righteous and shining as bright lights and Jesus grew up strong and we need to make a difference in this culture. If we're going to fight for immigration reform, let us do it lawfully. If we're going to stand up for the unborn, let's not bomb their clinics or be angry at them all the time. Let's win the argument. Let's show them that the baby has their own DNA separate from their mother and let's be world changers, makers and roof breakers. Amen? Amen. And then we see that he grew up in Nazareth hiding his identity from those who wanted a surface level relationship with God. Kind of like... You know, I'm good, you know, I'm kind of a good person, but I'll just get a little Jesus on the side because you can never have too much security when it comes to dying, you know. Jesus, you're going to be my get out of hell free card, okay? I'm still a good person. I'm pretty sure I can get there without you, but just in case, would you be my buddy, you know, be my homeboy, Jesus? And so we realize that Jesus don't want to be your homeboy. He wants to be your Lord. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You either humble yourself to him and seek him and see the greatness of his kingdom, or you will sit in here and leave out the same way you came in, and you'll face him one day on judgment seat, and he will say, you were blind, you were stupid, you were ignorant, you were foolish on purpose, because I sent you signs, I sent you wise people, I sent you prophecies, I sent you signs and wonders, and you could not see any of it, and yet you claimed you could see. How do we apply this to our life? Thank you for your patience. The Magi knew they had to bow down when they saw Jesus. Could you imagine this? Let's just put ourselves in their shoes for a minute. Could you imagine you get this whole sign thing, star, revelation of what it means, you chase it down, you finally get there, and now you are looking at God in the flesh. What do you think would be your reaction? Dude, just boom. This is my creator in the form of a child. I don't even know if they understood how the whole thing was going to work out. They might have just thought, this is cool. He came in the flesh. I'm going to worship him. Some of them might have understood that eventually he was going to grow and die, give his life for his people. Some of the prophets prophesied about that. We don't know their mindset, but all we know is that they knew one thing. When they're in the presence of their creator, in the presence of their Lord, these knees bow, their wisdom ceases and worship goes up. And everything they had to offer went to that child. Their gold, their frankincense, their myrrh. That would be like you laying down before Jesus, uh, kneeling down before Jesus and laying down your job. Going, this, this is my job, Jesus. I know that I, I work hard here and it's important to me. You know that, Jesus, as well. But I give it to you, my job. God, this is my family. This is my wife. This is my kids. Honey, kids, kneel down with me. We're giving our lives to Jesus. It took me a long time before I realized that I had to bow my knees. I was a rebellious kid brought up in the church. I thought I knew more than the Christians around me. Most of the Christians I saw were hypocrites. And I thought even if there was a God, he's more like Star Wars God, like energy, But it was November 5th, 1995 that my knees bent because I saw him as my Savior. I saw him as my Redeemer. And here's the way you can live your life. You can put yourself on the throne of your own heart and make everything bow towards you. And Jesus will be far from you. You may get far in life doing it this way. And you may even think, well, I'm not that bad because I'm not a Satanist. The heart of Satanism is self-worship. What was Satanism before We became Satanists. What was Satan's first sin? Was it worshiping himself? Yes. But even more than that, it was his own desire to be in charge. So before we could ever worship him, he worshiped himself because he wanted his own ways. So what is the heart of Satanism? What is the heart of hell? Why is there a hell? As C.S. Lewis said on Judgment Day, there's only two kinds of people. Those that God says to, your will be done. Depart from me, for I never knew you. So you got what you wanted. And then others he will say, Now my will be done. Come into heaven. You see, it's your will that leads you to hell or his will that leads you to heaven. Nobody is getting the boot to hell going, I didn't choose this. Everybody who goes to hell, as C.S. Lewis says, goes there because they chose to be there. The self-centered life, can take many manifestations. It can come with your career. It can come with your family. Even noble causes like your country or military service. People just live for their country. I got friends in the military and there's guys that just, that's all they live for is, you know, their country. It could be noble like medicine and helping people. But if it's not Christ at the center and it's still you, it's still wrong. The Christ-centered life is not a life without yourself. You see, this is a life without Jesus. You get the picture, right? But God still loves us and wants the best for us. So we actually get to stay in the picture. It's not like we're cast out. That's what we do to him on our way to hell. But if we want to have a Christ-centered life, we make Jesus the center, and then we truly find ourselves. No one here, even the person, who has done what we would say is the most wicked things. Maybe they've killed people, murdered people, and and, and the evil of this world. No one will have evil satisfy their soul. The only one that can satisfy your soul is Jesus. Augustine said it like this, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. So those who have gone further than us in wickedness, like I tell my testimony, some of y'all, like, man, I was arrested eight times. I got two STDs. I I was a high school tripod. I was this. And then I've had people literally look at me. I was in Wicker Park, and a dude, pretty boy, looked right at me and said, I've been to the clinic five times. And then I've had other people say, you've been arrested eight. I've been arrested 20. You went to jail for 45 days, I was there for 10 years. I'm telling you, and everybody will, you know, sometimes try to boast on how much they have and how much they've done. Every single person will find that the self-centered life never satisfies. But even the least among us here can say, as they get into this tank, Jesus is my all and all. He satisfies He quenches the thirst of my soul. So here is the application of today's chapter, y'all. Let's be wise enough to bow down before our Creator and surrender our lives to Him because Jesus knows what's best for us. Amen. Let's stand up and give it up for His Word today. God bless you. Come on, let's stand up. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? I'm going to start praying. Father, we thank you for today's message. If anything today convicted, people here, I pray that they will follow that conviction so that they can live for you without anything hindering them. If you're here today and you've been convicted of any sin or a relationship that's maybe strained or cut off from God, I'm going to ask that you would start to come from your feet as uh, come from your seat as the band starts to play. After we pray, we'll start, baptisms. Those who have children in the back, can you uh, begin to get your children and we'll start baptisms in just a moment. You won't miss it. Excuse me, but we want our altar workers to feel, uh, our children's workers to feel like they can start to transition to to the next service. Right now, if you're here today and you need to confess sin, come to the front. Don't be ashamed. God wasn't ashamed to send his son to die on the cross for you. If you're here today and you're saying I need to change the way I see the world I have to put Jesus at the center of my life Come forward right now Band would you begin to sing Please as people come Let's take a few moments Sing with us if you serve Jesus If you're not serving Him right yet Come on up Don't let anything hold you back You won't be in front of these people for judgment day So don't let them stop you now I will put my trust in you alone and I will come on I'm gonna give you a few more moments come on up quickly quickly heaven and hell are at stake today it's a firm foundation I'm going to give you one more chance for those who need to make Jesus the Lord of your life to come up here. I want you to understand this today. If you walk out of here and you're not right with God, you will go to hell. No one will feel sorry for you. It is your choice. I want every family to listen to me. If you're going through marriage troubles today and you do not have enough humility to walk up here with your husband or wife, you are getting exactly what you deserve. Understand that today. If you are here today and you are suffering and you are addicted And you're saying, I've tried everything. If these altars remain empty, that is on you. I'm going home. And if God forbid something were to happen, I'm going to heaven. My marriage is blessed. My family is blessed. We're baptizing 20 people today. I am not here to manipulate you. What you do is what you do. I just know these altars should have people at them. And I know some of y'all get scaredy-cat, so I'm giving you one more chance. It is really up to you. I promise you when I tell you this, it is up to you. Do not come up here unless you are serious, but I am pleading with some of you to get right with God. You will meet your maker. This is the time of mercy. This is the time of grace. This is your time to get it out. This is your time to pray. This is the time. My sister who died drinking and driving did not get another chance. The teenagers that have died in gang drug deals gone bad have not gotten another chance. People who have died in car accidents have not gotten another chance. This is it. I can't promise you the next five minutes. Take it. Right now, we're going to sing again. Thank you for those who have come. Your courage inspires me to keep living for Jesus because it doesn't get old to me come on man let's sing it let's go let's go come on who else wants to get right with god he's worth it he's worth it all yes lord yes lord god bless everyone that's coming person up here, those who are saved, stretch your hands towards them, lives are being changed, hearts are being changed, Satan you lose them now, you lying devil and let them go, all is forgiven, all is changed all is made new today freedom, freedom to live for God freedom to live for Jesus I thank you Jesus for every one of them Every one of them, every one of them is precious to you. Every one of them, God, you died for. Every one of their sins are paid for. In the name of Jesus, bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Fill them with your power. Fill them with your boldness. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah! I feel Jesus here. I see hope here. I see the power of God here. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Gloria a Dios! Gloria a Dios! Gloria a Dios! Fuego! Fuego Espíritu Santo! Fire of the Holy Spirit! Más! Más! Más Espíritu Santo! more Cross is Senor, cross it, Senor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As they keep praying, I feel led now to pray for our nation and all the nations of the world. Come on, pray for this nation's government to get right. Pray for our leaders to spare the unborn. Pray for all the Central and South American nations that suffer under corrupt governments, crime syndicates. Pray for them. Pray for them. As I've told you before, I've been to the villages of Mexico and Nayarit and Chilapa. I've seen the precious people. And I asked them, I said, Whose house is this? This house is so much different than everybody else's house, it was like a mansion. And they said, oh, that's the drug cartel's house. That's one of the drug cartels. Come on, let's pray that God rids the nation. And our nation of corruption and their nations of corruption. That God spares the unborn. Right now, come on, come on, come on. As they're praying for their lives to change. Let's pray for our nation to change. In the name of Jesus, we lift up to you, God. All those here. We pray for justice to prevail. We pray as we follow the laws that you will have compassion on the refugees who come seeking shelter in this nation. And we pray, God, that their nations will change. We pray that nations will come to know and love you. One of the greatest revivals that happened was in Colombia. Bogota, Colombia, the home of the drug cartels. Many of them were there. They were killing the pastors. But the pastors kept praying and praying until one day God brought revival. They ended up filling the stadiums. Look it up, the revival in Bogota, Colombia. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against presidents or leaders or, or criminals. It's ultimately, ultimately against the powers of Satan in dark places, and high places. Let's tear them down a few more moments. Come on. Come on, you mad? Come on, you mad at how it's going down right now? Come on, get mad at the devil. Get mad at the devil. You don't like what you see on this planet? Bring heaven to this earth in Jesus' name. Come on. We have not because we ask not. I pray for revival in Latin America, Central and South America. I pray for revival in the White House. I pray for revival in our governor's house. I pray for revival with our mayor. In the name of Jesus, we don't fear man, we fear God and our God answers prayer. One of the persons shouting the loudest right here, before you pray real quick, where does your brother die? What country? Guatemala. Guatemala got killed by the drug lords. Come on, a few more moments right now, she's shouting because she knows Jesus is the answer. Save them Lord, save them Jesus, save them. Change our nation change these countries one more time we're going to sing this out and if you are you still haven't come you come on right now let's sing it again please thank you band we love you you're doing great guys come on hallelujah a few more moments yes Lord I'm, I'm putting my trust in you I'm putting my life in your hands it's a firm foundation thank you Lord